with your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. This is the Freeman Report with your host, James Freeman, on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hello and welcome to the Freeman Report. My name is James Freeman. I'm a former member of the European Parliament, if you didn't know that already. And this is my weekday show where I break down the big issues of our time in our fight for freedom, liberty and justice. It is Tuesday, the 12th of December, 2023, and we're just 10 days away from the winter solstice here in the UK and also the summer solstice down under. And as you can definitely tell here in the UK, it is dark and grey, although surprisingly mild for this time of year. I think we've only had one or two frosts so far. Um, clearly, nobody upstairs got the memo that I got a wood-burning stove fitted a few weeks back and was looking forward to the cold weather um, this year. Anyway, um, I've got a great show lined up for you today with two people who have both appeared on the Freeman Report several times before, although never um, they've never appeared together before. Um, so today, both of them will join me for a full show to discuss the latest evidence of serious issues in the pharmaceutical manufacturing industry and of further evidence, if we need any, that jab companies are committing fraud. Headley Reese is a farmer insider. He founded PharmaFlow in 2005, which provides consultancy services to the pharmaceutical industry, particularly on supply chain management in the drug industry and delivering patient value for pharmaceuticals and biologics, both topics that he's published books on. In his previous career, Headley held senior positions at Bayer UK, British Biotech and other pharma companies. He's an advisory board member for the International Institute for Advanced Purchasing and Supply and a former advisory board member of Marken, now part of UPS. Now, many of you who follow news about what's going on um, globally to do with the jabs will have seen some of Headley's work before, as he now spends most of his energies raising the alarm about what is happening in pharmaceutical manufacturing, particularly with regards to the COVID injections, and has provided ample evidence to suggest that production of the jabs is introducing all sorts of public health risks. Um, my other guest, Sonia Elijah, is an investigative journalist with a background in economics. Um, Sonia is a former BBC researcher, which I didn't know until I um, looked up her bio today. Um, she's written dozens of in-depth um, investigative reports and published interviews with global experts in pharmaceutical product safety. Sonia's reports have uncovered major conflicts of interest um, and malfeasance. Her analysis of the official Pfizer COVID vaccine safety report received worldwide attention, as have many of her reports uncovering fraud committed by the likes of Pfizer and Moderna. I'm therefore delighted that both of them will be making up a panel today to discuss their latest findings and also the current situation surrounding the injections and Big Pharma more widely. So what else is happening? Well, I can announce that um, I'm currently working with Liz Gunn, who was on the show last week to break this story um, around the New Zealand data link. 
uh, leak rather, not link. Um, I think it was actually two weeks ago. Now the time is flying. Um, so I'm working with Liz to bring you a big development on that story about the, the data link link <laughs> leak in New Zealand. And um, I'm afraid that I'm going to be a bit need to be a bit cryptic um, until we break the story because um, I can't say anything at the moment. But if this story is what we think it is, it is going to rock um, the global truth movement. I can't say anything more than that until we break it next week. We're working on it currently, but it's not about the whistleblower or all of the things that we know already. This is something entirely new. In terms of legacy news stories, I see that the pantomime season is in full swing in the UK Parliament. Um, and we're currently at the part in the play, the pantomime play, where the big villain is being exposed. And he's over there. No, he's behind you. Um, no, not him. Um, will someone please give little Sunak a chair so that we can see him above everyone else? Yes, the British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is the latest uh, migrant villain following Prime Ministers Johnson, May, Cameron, Brown and Blair. But the reality is huge numbers have been let into the country for years. And this squabble about tens of thousands coming in via small boats is a bit of a distraction, to be honest. Yes, they're undocumented. And yes, they're coming here illegally. But those who have come here via legal means is the real story, in my opinion. Since Blair took office, um, the UK's population has increased by 15%. That's over 9 million new people living in the UK. And in that time, much of the UK's infrastructure has not kept pace. Whether that's water storage and supply, the energy grid, public transport, the building of new homes, schools and hospitals, and other infrastructure that provide the basis for public services that we all rely on. So the vote in Parliament today on the current Prime Minister's Rwanda bill is just the latest joke in this pantomime that has been running for decades now. The vote itself is turning out to be a proxy vote of confidence in Rishi Sunat's premiership. And in the background, his arch enemies are Boris Johnson, the former Prime Minister, and Nigel Farage, who are now being pitched as a dual ticket at the next general election which is frankly quite bizarre. Now, I don't think he will lose the vote as the Tories are pretty spineless. They showed that with their failure to get rid of Theresa May, despite her grinding the country to a standstill over Brexit. But this is damaging for Sunak and sets up a bizarre run-up to the next general election and the prospect of ever more desperate moves if they can get any more desperate by the Tory party absolute madness. If you want to get in touch, as always, email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live. And if you want to join in the conversation, get yourself over to tntradio.live and click on the chat icon. My name is James Freeman, and this is the Freeman Report for TNT Radio. Getting straight to the facts. Enough with the lies. We need facts. This is today's News Talk Radio. TNT. I'm smiling. Hello, Jemsy. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to get boring, I know, in the end, but it's not at the moment. It makes you not giggle every every day. 
Yeah, well, you yeah, need me not boy. Maybe my t- my laughter masks my tears. Anyway. <laughs> right, what have you got uh, for us today, Gemma? Well, it's the latest, actually, uh, on the, the saga with Tommy Robinson, who was a guest, obviously, on the Freeman Report last Monday. Um, you invited him onto the show after mm-hmm. his uh, ban of attending, you know, anti-Semitism marches in the capital last month. Met Police said, don't come. He did go. He was arrested. And you invited him on to tell his side of the story. And it was a good interview. And I would urge anyone who hasn't heard it to to um, listen again on the, on the um, TNT website. But he was in court uh, yesterday, and the rules are with court reporting is that you publish your broadcast at the earliest available opportunity. And this is our earliest available opportunity to talk about this court case with one of your guests. So his bail conditions after his arrest in London on November the 26th were that he may not enter the capital unless he was meeting his solicitor or unless he was attending court. Um, He appealed those bail conditions yesterday at Westminster Magistrates, and they did change the bail conditions. Um, And they they said he can now enter the capital, but only to meet political groups pre-approved by the Metropolitan Police. The ban on attending any protest in the capital still stands. Now, he argued this was a a breach of his human rights and abuse of his human rights. The judge yesterday disagreed and said, no, I know exactly who you are, Mr. Lennon. Obviously, Tommy's real name is Stephen Yaxley Lennon. He said, I know exactly who you are. And I think it's likely on the basis of your behavior and also, interestingly, uh, the basis of the allegations in the police statement, uh, I think it's likely that you will commit further offenses should you attend a protest. Um, which is is very interesting. So they said, no, you cannot attend protests. And they have charged him still with failure to comply with the Section 35 direction, which it, um, prevents a person from entering an area. That is a charge that still stands. He wasn't appealing the charge. He was appealing the bail conditions. He's lost that. And he will appear again at Westminster Magistrates on January the 22nd. Yesterday, as he came out of court, he indicated he will plead not guilty uh, to that charge, um, which means that it will go to trial. Uh, and then that'll be a very interesting what we hear in that trial, both about the police and about, you know, our human rights and the legality of being able to attend protests and not being banned. So it's a kind of development in that story, an extension of your interview basically last week, where you invited him on to talk about the ban, what that meant, the implications for wider society. Uh, the, ju- the judge yesterday was like, no, we're not going to allow it. Um, we're still keeping this charge it could go to trial. So it's a very interesting development in the ongoing Tommy Robinson saga. And obviously there will be further protests. It'd be interesting to see if he, he attends. Yeah. And um, just reversing back um, to that interview, you know, I said at the time that, um, look, you know, I've got had reservations about Tommy Robinson in the past. He seems to, also the videos I've seen, he seems to be caught up, you know, in, in violent stuff. I did ask him about that in the interview um, and I said, put it to him that, you know, do you see why it is easy for them to take away your freedoms and without the, you know, the the outburst of outcry um, from everybody else in, 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 in you know, in the UK? Um, and he did acknowledge the fact that, yes, his past behaviour does make it easy for them for, to target him. Um, but putting that aside, um, in this case here, it's difficult to see what he's actually done wrong. Um, 
And the scary thing is, and you know, the, the, I think this story is not necessarily about Tommy Robinson. This story is about UK law because the charge brought against him actually stands up in law. Um, the police are able to say that if you're likely, your presence is likely to cause offence and distress to people, then they can actually stop you going to a, a city, the whole of London, which is pretty incredible, really, because he wasn't doing anything wrong. He was there as a journalist. Um, he wasn't creating um, a public, you know, disorder. He wasn't being creating a scene. He was just there um, as as himself in a cafe having breakfast when the police approached him. So I think that's really what the story is here. It's about UK laws that they've got in their back pocket, which they can use. And I find it absolutely incredible that based upon that, him not doing anything wrong, um, you know, but the fact that these laws are there, that they can now put bail conditions on him, that the police have to approve who he can meet. Um, it's quite incredible, really, these laws that have been brought in. And, you know, we're worried now at the moment about new laws being brought in about hate speech, so-called hate speech. But, you know, I th I've got a feeling and I, I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not a legal expert, but I've got a feeling that these laws that are being used against Tommy were actually brought in. Um, following, you know, the the terrorist attacks in London and in 9-11. Um, um, you know, this was the so-called war on terror. Um, and they were brought in in the years um, after that. So this is, you know, this is why we need to push back against all of these laws, whether it's free speech or whatever, because, you know, um, it's not necessarily straight away they're going to use them. But there is this creep over the years. And I think it's absolutely outrageous that um, that the police can actually stop him um, and, um, and and dictate to him who he's allowed to see and who he's not and where he's allowed to go. Absolutely. And of course, what it will do is set a precedent. It won't, like you rightly say, this isn't just about Tommy Robinson. Um, it's about all of us. It's about, you know, when will a ban like this extend to you or I? I went to many, many anti-lockdown marches over the course of 2020 to 2022 and, and would do it again in a heartbeat. But of course, you know, did my presence cause distress to people in London? Well, anyone, it only takes one person to say, I'm distressed, I'm offended. We all know how the world is. Could one of these laws be slapped onto me or you for exactly the same thing? Um, interesting, though, the judge did give a little bit of leeway. He did say, OK, you know, I'll, I will amend the bail conditions after his appeal. You you know, you, you can come in now. It doesn't have to be meeting your solicitor. It doesn't have to be a court appearance. You can come in and meet different political parties or groups, but only with pre-approval by the Met. So, yeah, you know, he 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 nudged a little bit, but it only takes one Met officer to say, no, I don't really think that's a good idea. And, and his freedoms are curtailed once more. What is interesting as well, he's going to enter a not guilty plea and he's going to take it to trial. Um, interesting to see what his lawyers will say if that happens. Um, but it's not just his rights and freedoms to make his views heard. You might not agree with them, but he's got the freedom in this country to do it. It's, it's the rights of all of us to do that. Uh, and this court case will be a very interesting precedent. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, and I'm really interested as well. And I don't know whether they're required to do this under the law, this law of, you know, you're likely to cause distress and alarm. But I would like that broken down a little bit more. What distress and alarm are they talking about and who is apparently going to be distressed and alarmed? Um, I think it's really important that if this law is in place, that those things are shared with the public. Um, publicly, I don't know whether that's going to come out in the court case or not, but I think just the mere fact that based upon alarm and distress they've been able to restrict his free movement um they should be publishing that you know what 
what what is this alarm and distress um that they're talking about and who um are the people that are going to be um alarmed and distressed if he's allowed into london it does all seem a bit ridiculous doesn't it Right. Yeah, thank you for absolutely. that story, Gemma. That is a story, I think, which is going to run and run. And um, Tommy said when he was on last week that he's um, he's happy to come back on. So at some point I will get Tommy back on, um, probably around the court case to talk about what the hell is going on. Right. To the rest of you, don't go anywhere because after this short break, I'll be joined by Hedley Reese and Sonia Elijah. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. You should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about. I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, well, that seems bad for the, you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper, but it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationship with supply chains and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how can I make myself less dependent on the system? It's kind of hard to know where to start, right? Where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. I, I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities. But for most people, I would say, Charlie, it feels normal, but it ain't normal. <laughs> the world yeah. is not normal. It's completely gone off kilter. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. thelightpaper.co.uk TNTradio.live Online. Online. Online streaming. Be a part of the conversation. I stream it all at work and I stream it to my phone and listen to it wherever I go. TNT. Right. Well, I'm really looking forward to the next 40 minutes. Both of my next guests, um, I've got bags of time for. I think they're both excellent and the work they've done is absolutely brilliant. So welcome to back to the Freeman Report, Hedley Reese and Sonia Elijah. Hello, guys. Hi. Hi, James. Right. Okay. Um, I'm not going to do an introduction because I did give a thorough introduction um, in my introduction to the show. And obviously both of you, I think most of the viewers will know by now. Um, so we're going to get straight into um, the question. So to start off, before we start talking about um, the latest things that you're looking into, Headley and Sonia, I'd like to just get a feel for you on where you think things are Um you know, after the last three years, more widely, you know, where do you think we are right now? Are we close to actually getting justice? Or do you think that we're never, ever going to see justice? Headley, you go first. Yeah, well, I think we're at a watershed moment now with the Food and Drug Administration in the US. It's always been the gold standard in holding companies to account, making sure that they've got the proper controls in place to be able to manufacture these drugs. Their inspectors are second to none, and they really are very thorough. And we know that um, very recently they have gone, FDA inspectors have gone into uh, a Novartis facility in Morris Plains, which manufactures a gene therapy product, 
a rare blood cancer and has been since 2017. And it's the first gene therapy approved, as I say, in 2017. And when FDA go in to inspect, they write what they call a Form 483, which is an inspection report. And to be honest, I've always said this, once this happens and is in the public domain, this whole thing is going to fall like a house of cards because the observations were quite significant. Yeah, Headley, before we get into that detail, because I'm going to, after that we go to the news headlines, we're going to go over to you first and we'll talk all about that in detail and your assessment of it. But more generally, Headley, Obviously, you know, you're you're a resident of the UK. You've got family and friends and loved ones. You've watched what's going on over the past three years. And, you you know, you're obviously very, very close to all of the um, the news that's coming out on lots of different things, not just necessarily uh, manufacturing. Based upon that, what what where do you think we are right now in this big story over the last three years? Well, I, I think... Gates and his team at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Ian Hudson, who works for him at MHRA, they're all being found out. They've all really uh, being found out in places like uh, X, Twitter. And uh, this was always going to come out at some point because you cannot go against the laws of nature. You cannot cobble injections together, mass vaccinate people with them and not for it to suddenly become clear to everyone that it's harming and killing people. And I just think now, particularly with this interview here and other interviews, we are focusing on what to me has been the real issue was the lack of understanding of how these, these, uh, the, 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 these drugs go into your body from a working supply chain, plants, facilities, metal bashing, the whole thing vaccines you don't just turn a handle uh, and in two months or 100 days as bill and melinda gates say suddenly a vaccine pops out that's complete nonsense and i think uh, from my perspective that is coming out with the people that i speak to fantastic headley thank you for that um sonia same question to you really um obviously you know you look a slightly different angle than um headley you're sort of looking at a lot of the fraud that's gone on you're looking at a lot of the safety stuff but putting that aside just for a second um until after the break what where do you think we are just on a personal level and your experience um of this story over the past three years Yes. Um, again, thank you for having me on your show, James. Um, yeah, I mean, I think more and more is coming out. I think uh, the lies are becoming more and more blatantly obvious. Uh, the public was was told many lies uh, right from the beginning. Uh, so we're three years on and billions of doses of these mRNA uh, gene therapy injections have gone into so many people uh, across all age groups, including pregnant women and young babies. Um, and um, recently we've got the research, the, the sort of researchers of the uh, the inventors of this modified mRNA technology winning the Nobel Prize for it. Um, and uh, which is which is really outrageous. Um, and um, and then we have, but what on on the flip side, we've also got that lawsuit coming out of Texas. This is the Attorney General Ken 
Paxton um, suing Pfizer for misrepresenting their COVID vaccine, the efficacy of their COVID vaccine and conspiring to censor public disclosure. Um, so, you know, going, you know, coercing, uh, you know, social media platforms to sort of shut down uh, the truth tellers. Um, and um, but I just feel like there's a sort of ball of lies it's sort of it's just unraveling the more and more you go into it uh there's just more and more lies and sonia do you think that um because look i think i've come to the conclusion recently and i hear T tucker carlson is saying the same thing that we're never ever going to see the truth on the mainstream because it's like it's like the culprits themselves saying yeah 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 i did it um because you know they know the consequences of this would you subscribe to that thinking or do you think we will see a point where um, a mainstream media platform will start to report on this? I I hope to be a bit pessimistic. I don't ever see a mainstream media platform sort of, you know, just saying the, just the truth of what, you know, what really has gone on and all the harms that has this, this has caused. I don't see because they're too involved in, in that sort of, you know, the big sort of the censorship industrial complex that was sort of all sort of embroiled mm. uh, in um, the, the money they get, obviously, I mean, I'm looking at the BBC, they're sort of, you know, it's, it's a, it's the government arm, isn't it? It's like propaganda. Uh, and obviously, a lot of these news networks in America, they're sponsored by Pfizer, uh, they get so much revenue from the pharmaceutical companies. I don't see that sort of kind of light shining in the darkness there. But through alternative media, that is where I see uh, a lot of a lot of the light and people coming to know the truth of what's been going on. Yeah. And this is potentially a good thing, isn't it, Sonia? I think because look you know um if there's one thing um to um make the legacy media become even more untrustworthy than what it already is is all the truths coming out via other forms you know like tucker carlson is obviously a leading light because he is such a big figure and he does attract so many viewers and the types of things that he's talking about along with the likes of russell brand and others it really is putting a shame, isn't it, to the mainstream media? So so maybe it's a good thing that the mainstream yeah, media are not talking about this because it actually it helps us to to to, yeah. to, to direct people to where the truth yeah. is really coming out. I also just wanted to add there, I'm not sure people are aware that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation have given millions in grants to the BBC, The Guardian, and uh, just in case people aren't aware of that. So um, and that that also speaks to why they haven't, you know, uh, told the truth, so to speak, on on about these uh, uh, gene therapy products. Yeah, and of course, that money has been very, very important, hasn't it, for a lot of the um, the commercial media companies whether that's newspapers or, or or tv companies because of course you know advertising revenues really did collapse um over the last three years so a lot of the money that they've been getting these media companies a big proportion of that has come from the likes of bill and melinda gates and other um players within the pharmaceutical industry right guys we're going to take a quick break now for the news headlines and when we come back we're going to get into the detail on all the great work that you've both been working on recently so stay tuned with me james freeman on tnt radio Turn on the news. News, 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 flash. TNT Radio News. Matt Boylan here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. 
Washington has defended its decision to block the UN Security Council from calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza, saying the White House will never support a complete truce so long as Hamas is alive. A missile has struck a Norwegian flagged ship in the Red Sea, causing a fire on board. And a senior Ukrainian commander claims Russian troops are now attacking Ukrainian positions on all fronts. Acknowledging the situation in the country's east remains difficult. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. Right. So we've kind of talked very generally about where we think things are. Um, Let's get into the detail now. So Headley, if you can go first and tell us what you've been finding out recently in your research. Well, there's a couple of things. I'll first start off with, I've noticed that, you know, I've I've been in the wilderness for three years as, as regard the industry. And suddenly I've just had a paper published in GMP, which means Good Manufacturing Practice Review, uh, titled is gene therapy a sound investment and clearly the art- article says it's not um, i've also been asked to write a book by the academic publisher wiley on transforming the pharma- pharmaceutical supply chain i'm sensing the industry itself is fed up of the show just being about cell and gene th- therapy um, uh, uh, vaccines and jabs it's taken over the industry i think people are getting fed up of it that's the first thing the other thing that's needed to happen all the time is for the regulatory bodies across the world to go in and inspect these facilities that actually manufacture the drug substance and the drug product those are the two key a- areas and all in all, all regulatory bodies have to inspect those facilities before any drug goes on the market uh, it's part of a pre-approved inspection process in the U.S. with with with, with FDA and FDA. Go on, James. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So FDA... I was just going to stop you quickly there, Headley. Sorry to interrupt, but but I think it's important to also point out that that is the normal practice which has been set up for decades, isn't it? That we have inspectors that go in physically, but it's not been happening over the last three years, has it? You know, when when the jabs were launched. No, uh, and there's. Uh, I've just had an email from UK Gov MHRA only yesterday saying they're going to resume physical inspections after three years. So that means they've been stopped for three years. And uh, MHRA approved a site in Oxford, Oxford Biomedica site, who makes the drug substance for the AstraZeneca jab. Remember, neither AstraZeneca or Oxford University had anything to do with this with the development or the manufacture, that's all been a complete charade. It's Oxford Biomedica in Oxford. I consulted to them in 2013 on the Kimria drug substance. And now uh, we have the similar issues that, that, that the side effects of Kimria are very similar to the gene therapy. Well, it is a gene therapy, but it's cytokine storm and uh, neurological toxicities. So the whole therapy has got a major safety uh, question mark over it and has at least since 2017. But the FDA have been going in and inspecting sites. There's an inspection they did with a company called Rentschler in Germany, 
who make the Pfizer drug substance. Um, that was a shocking inspection. And uh, they also went into Cattle and Farmer Solutions in Bloomington. That was in sh a shocking in inspection. And the, the latest inspection, I, I don't know if you can see that. This is the letter that FDA sent to um, to the Novartis facility. Now, the inspectors went in. Uh, they did an inspection. I can't see the date here. Sometime in two, 2022. So they have been doing these things, but they're only just beginning to release. The, they only just released this letter, which went to Novartis. And they're basically saying that, look, there was a failure to establish laboratory controls that include scientifically sound and appropriate specifications, standards, sampling plans and test procedures designed to ensure that the components, drug product containers, closures, in-process materials, labeling and drug products conform to appropriate standards of identity, strength and quality. And the whole letter goes through that. They've also had a meeting with the company and a response from Novartis. They weren't happy with the response. And this is still an ongoing discussion between FDA and, uh, and, and Novartis. I don't see how FDA cannot walk in there and, and close it down. And the other inspections they've done, the Renshaw and, and Catlin, also they should have been closed down. And, you know, there's a thing called a consent decree that uh, FDA have used in the past where they can go and they can uh, run a company for it until it gets up to a proper level of quality standards. So they could also do that. So FDA have all the powers. What's happened over the last three years or before that, the CDC and these other illegitimate bodies, such as the International Coalition for Regularly Med 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 Medical Affairs, has hollowed out all the global regula uh, regulators by infiltrating them using uh, Ian Hudson at MHRA, using uh, Trevor Mandel from Novartis, who's part of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So there's, there's been this infiltration of the regulators. And it seems to me FDA has been working under the uh, undercover as, as, as they normally do. And they're actually coming out with these crucial findings that could be, I think, could be a game changer. Now, Sonia, I'll come over for your comment on what Headley said in a moment, but just I just want to establish another really important thing that we've learned, which you were kind of saying when I first interviewed you last year, um, Headley, and that is that, you know, the product that people actually had put in their arm is not the same product that was actually tested. And we've seen these safety trials and there's problems with the safety trials themselves. But um, I think it's clear that we, you know, that people understand that. I, I am correct there, aren't I, Headley? Yeah, just to give a bit of background uh, to that, when you develop a drug, you first of all have to do non-clinical testing. So you have to set up a supply chain. This is raw materials, starting materials, intermediates, and the active ingredient. And then you have to when you build the supply chain, you have to man manufacture, say, 10 or 15 kilos, and you use that to test in animals. And the tests are, are, are sort of reported up, study reports. They go back to the company that wants to market the drug. And it takes about three years in total by the time they build the supply chain, do the testing, assess the, the, the reports, and then decide it's safe to go into humans. And then there's seven years of clinical trials then, phase one, phase two, phase three. Uh, 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 testing in humans. So you can see that A, there's a long time frame, but the other thing is 
every time you change anything in the supply chain, it's initially registered with the regulator through the, the, the data that, that has to be submitted. You have to redo safety testing if it's going to have any impact on the product. Now, the, 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 the amount of scale up that took place you know, to produce these billion dollar doses, you were guaranteed to have been producing products that are completely different to the one, the initial ones where the safety testing took place. With this role in review that the Institute did, they've only looked at the clinical aspect. Now, the clinical is pretty quick. You know, you can set up a clinical trial and you can run it in, in months. But of course, building the supply chain to produce the materials to go into the clinical trials takes years. And, and, yeah. and that's all, that was all ignored. Yeah, exactly. And I think the evidence is, is is indisputable, isn't it, Headley? Because normally, like you said, they would take the small quantities, which they would do the initial research with. If everything goes well with that, they scale up, they have to test again. And then, you know, this scaling up thing is really important because, of course, you know, you're not making it in a lab anymore. You've got different companies in different locations. All of these ingredients need to be transported around some of them at very, very low temperatures and other environmental controls. Um, and, and you know, and then you need to test again. And the fact that they got rolled these out in nine months just is absolute indisputable evidence that they haven't done these sequential um, scaling up testing and everything else. Sonia, what do you make of, um, of Headley's work and what he's just said? Yes, I mean, obviously, the work obviously I've been doing uh, for the past few years obviously speaks to this this sort of the lack of uh, uh, proper safety testing. But uh, these these products were never tested uh, against a gene therapy product. None of those test tests were done. Uh, they have never been tested. None of the regulators have tested them at the vial level. Right. We know with the Pfizer BioNTech product, they actually switched to manu switched to a different process in manufacturing. We have process one, which was for the clinical trials, process two for the, the, the mass production that was rolled out to the public. When they went and did that switch, I mean, people call it a bait and switch, uh, is that uh, it, 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 a lot of contaminants entered the product. So these products are adulterated. We They're adulterated with bacteria. DNA, and that was from doing it with process two, where they used um, a DNA a template, a, a, a DNA from E. coli uh, as a template to to produce the uh, modified messenger RNA, and also uh, you, they found SV40 cancer promoting genetic sequence, which is from a monkey virus. Um, uh, simian virus and uh, highly alarming. It's 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 carcinogenic, um, and we have the Health Canada EMA confirming the presence of these contaminants. I wrote to the um, HRA uh, on the heels of this sort of big story that broke out um, and asked them, do they intend to test for these uh, for the SV40, the um, the plasmid DNA? And they wrote back saying, no, they have no intention to test for it. And they also admitted they never tested at the vial level. So we have that going on. We have the fragmented RNA in these products, which I wrote uh, a big report for Trial Site News um, quite a while ago. And the leaked uh, European Medicine Agency emails uh, indicate that there was a huge drop in the RNA integrity of, of the product. So uh, the 
basically the RNA molecule was not intact, it was fragmented, and the regulators waved it through, they authorized it by lowering the standard, they all decided that they just lowered the standard down to 50%. So half the product contains molecules that are fragmented, it's, it's just insane. It's insane. And then we have the third issue coming out, just which I wrote on for Charles Site News about uh, this Cambridge University study, which essentially what they've done, they've confirmed the presence of abnormal off target proteins being expressed by this synthetic modified messenger RNA. In, in this, uh, so it's not a natural mRNA found in the human body, it's synthetic. So one of the building blocks is completely synthetic. The body hasn't seen it before. When the ribosomes come to read the transcript, this is during the translation process, the ribosomes literally stall, they slip, they, you know, and it's called ribosomal frame shifting occurs. And when that happens, the end result is an off-target abnormal protein being produced in the human body that the body has never seen before, and it's creating an immune response to that. And, there's, and that leads to a whole array of harmful, um, uh, you know, uh, autoimmune disease, uh, just to, to name that. And and what the study did was they sort of downplayed the safety aspect of it, or saying no one's been harmed. Um, but what they failed to say is that two of these lead authors, the two of the lead researchers, have a, a, a have a patent uh, uh, pending for an application for M mRNA tech for M for an mRNA technology. They've just got a, a pat waiting on a patent for it. So it's just very. There's a lot of conflict of interest. I also wrote a story about the Blockgate scandal, which is to do with the Western blocks, which BioNTech submitted to the FDA to prove the fidelity of their product. But the evidence given to me by an anonymous source showed that these Western blocks had been copied and pasted. Um, and now we kind of want, now we know why really, because their, their product, what it says on the box, that these mRNAs encode for the viral sp spike protein and only the viral sp spike protein is untrue. It encodes for God knows what. Yeah, absolutely. And it's fraud, isn't it, Sonia? Um, there's yes. a couple of points that I want to make um, and bring up there. Of course, you know, you mentioned um, these cancerous, um, uh, you know, um, proteins or whatever that they're potentially causing cancer. And it's interesting because Angus Dongleash, who's he's a world leading expert, Professor um, Angus Dongleash, he is openly and i think he's interesting because angus dongleash who's he's a world leading expert professor um angus dongleash he is openly and i think he's he might have even been published in the daily express talking about this the fact that he is seeing lots of turbo cancers as they're putting it which are you know and he's seeing people that have been in remission for years and then suddenly after they've had the jab they're having these cancers come back really really aggressively so you know as well as you pointing out that within the actual product itself, we have got world leading experts who are then going on to say, and actually what we're seeing is these injections causing cancer. Um, the other point I wanted to bring up, um, and you can elaborate on um, uh, Sonia, <laughs> is <laughs> the fact that, you know, these, we've got the word vaccine. It's been around for decades, the public have got an understanding of what vaccines are. But lots of us who've been following all of this know 
that the definition of vaccine has changed in recent years, hasn't it? And I think it's important to point out that the testing of all of this by the MHRA to get to get these products approved, if they'd have tested these products um, as per what they actually are, gene editing products, um, my understanding is that the the, the safety um, process to get them approved would have been much much more stringent. Is that is that correct? Well, yes. I mean, um, there was the, no genotoxicity studies were ever done, which 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 what's what would you would do for a gene therapy product? Uh, no carcinogenicity studies were done. Uh, no safety pharmacokinetic studies were ever done. I mean, it just the list goes on and on. This has been a huge catastrophic failure, a huge dereliction of duty uh, that all the regulators are are guilty of. Um, they have just waved them through. Why have they not inspected these? vials? Why have they not come out and said, oh, there's DNA plasmids, there's SV40, oh, there's, uh, oh, we've got abnormal proteins being expressed by this synthetic uh, messenger RNA. Why years later, um, we're getting just scientists coming out and doing it and, 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 and you know, breaking it to the public? Why has the regulator yeah. not done it? I know. I mean, look, if you follow this back, like I said, them changing the definition and then this suddenly coming along, you could be persuaded that the conspiracy has gone on. Um, God forbid. Um, right, um, both of you. We're both. Um, we're going to go to a quick break now, but stay put. I've got more questions after the break. Now, I want to talk about what is going on in the UK with the UK COVID inquiry and whether you both think actually we're going to get any answers out of this um, whatsoever. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrant shall issue, but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. That's our Fourth Amendment. Thank heavens and the founders that we have it. Why? Well, let's look at Ireland. They're trying to ram through a bill before Christmas that would authorize the Guardi to enter a house and seize any electronic devices they found if the government somehow found something objectionable, whether liking the wrong post on social media, making the wrong comment, or visiting the wrong website. That is the very definition of tyranny, and it's why we fought a war to throw it off. Hopefully, the Irish will figure out the importance of banning government intrusion like this before it's too late for them. And hopefully, we in the United States never lose sight of how important it is to keep the government at bay. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. One in four Australian women experience domestic violence in their lifetime. Staying is dangerous, but leaving can mean homelessness for them and their children. With your generosity, the Salvos can provide crisis services and ongoing support, helping women find a way out of violence and a way back into a safe and stable life. Help us leave no one in need. Please donate to the Red Shield Appeal today. This is The Freeman Report with your host, James Freeman, on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. 
Right. Um, Sonia um, Headley, I know that you've got your areas of expertise and, you know, the, the 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 sort of areas where you're really digging down into the detail. But I'm sure both of you are aware of the, the UK COVID inquiry, if we can call it that. Um, so I'd like to get your opinion on what you think of what you've seen so far. So Headley. Uh, the first thing that strikes me is that uh, when I see uh, Patrick Valence and Andrew um, and Andrew Whitty, uh, Chris Whitty on there, is that they're regarded as scientists and experts, but they will never have been near the production of a, a complex biologic in their lives. You don't, it's not science that you need. It's like if a plane crashed, you need crash investigators to go in there who know how planes are put together and they know what to look for. And that's not what happened. They keep claiming, follow the science, follow the science. That's the biggest, that, that, that's the biggest diversion the world has ever, ever, ever known. And, you know, I, I don't see that inquiry going anywhere uh, it, it, the, the way it is at the moment because it's just people putting false agendas forward and coming up with virtually nothing. So that's all I can say on that. And, and Sonia, what's your impression of the COVID yes. inquiry so far? Yeah, I would say it's a big sort of hand washing kind of thing. You know, uh, it's been it's a whitewash. It's sort of uh, what you're hearing is we sort of lock, we should have locked down sooner and harder. Uh, uh, it, it, you know, in, insane things. They haven't gone into any of the um, really all the uh, scandals that have happened, corruption that has happened, the uh, the the contracts going to their mates and things. This is to do with the PPE, and you've got the uh, uh, the billions spent on the these faulty rapid antigen tests that I did a big investigative report for the conservative woman um, back in 2021 about this. This was the Innova test that was put in all the NHS testing, uh, those kits that were given out for free. They were all faulty. Even the FDA said they needed to be thrown out. Four billion was spent on just those tests. Um, obviously, we know the whole test and trace cost a lot more than that. Um, and uh, it, it's just been... I mean, it's a, it's just a, a facade, really. Uh, there is no meat to it. It's just a big whitewash. Yeah, I think I think that is not not just um, us people in the know. I mean, you're even seeing, you know, um, into journalists like um, Julia Hartley Brewer, who I would call a kind of mainstream journalist. They're they're pointing out the ridiculousness of this um, COVID inquiry. I mean, you touched on something there, Sonia, which is really important. And, you know, um, th there's a lot of evidence that the politicians, certain politicians or governments, intelligence agencies, someone knew back in early 2019 that COVID was already circulating. We know that from evidence coming out of Italy of biopsies for cancer patients. Um, we know, them looking in hindsight, that COVID was already circulating there. And so the politicians did have a little heads up in terms of this was coming down the road. And it seems to me and others, Andrew Bridgen, this is one of the things that he's claimed, is that instead of preparing the country um, for the virus, they were actually preparing all of their business contracts. You know, the, the one of the things we've learned over the past three years is this huge transfer of wealth globally uh, between from the poor to the rich. And, you know, like you said, the contracts we're talking about here run into the tens and tens of billions. I mean, the classic example is um, Matt Hancock's um, pub landlord, 
who had nothing to do with vials, and yet um, he was able to set up a company within a couple of weeks and get a multi-million pound contract from the UK government. And there was lots of that that went on. These are the types of questions, um, as you've rightly pointed out, Sonia, that we should, or the COVID inquiry should be asking. Now, Sonia, during the break there, we were talking about something. You said that you wanted to highlight the fact that the authorities knew uh, about some of these um, products and what was in them. Um, do you want to elaborate um, on that? Yeah, sure. It was actually to do with the vaccine companies. So, for example, um, um, BioNTech. So this is to do with the ribosomal frame shifting. They knew that there were that this was a problem uh, because they actually built in two stop codons to try and prevent this from happening. But they never properly fixed it. And the actual stop codons that they did choose they did pick this is i found this out when i was interviewing um kevin mckernan he's a leading uh, genomics expert uh and uh he was telling me they picked the stop codons that the most notorious uh to skip to basically frame shift and so you have this sort of non-stop proteins being formed and uh, we've got protein folding happening and that can cause like prion disease alzheimer's um, all these sort of um horrible things and and so they were they were aware of this problem. They never fixed it. Um, and you have you sort of I think Pfizer, one of the heads saying, you know, we we sort of we built the plane as we were flying it. Do you remember her making a comment? I can't remember her name, but she was one of the uh, lead in R&D research at Pfizer. Um, and and going back to the adulterated, this is the DNA and the SV40. Um, the, the the problem with these back the problem with DNA being present in these shots is that you have the risk of insertional mutagenesis, which means that the DNA can go uh, the 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 external DNA in these shots can integrate with the host cells uh, uh, genome, which is it's that's high risk for cancer, causes ca the cells to mutate. And but Moderna now, obviously, DNA was also found in the Moderna products too. They had a patent back in I think 2017 or 2018 where they 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 listed this as a as a risk. For, for mRNA products of insertional mutagenesis. And they they developed an invention to clean it up, but they never did it for their own product. They actually have a patent on a superior method of removing plasmid DNA. They have a patent for it. They've invented it. Why didn't they use it for their own product? Yeah. That's just so, I mean, it's it's, it's quite overwhelming, um, really, isn't it? Both of you, um, when you look at all the evidence out there um, that shows fraud, crimes, failures by regulators, all of these dodgy deals being done, um, money changing hands between the pharmaceutical industry um, and politicians and, um, and, you know, the media. Sonia, do you think um, that we'll ever see anybody in court over any of this? I, I do think I mean, what really gave me a lot of hope or a glimmer of hope was the lawsuit coming out of Texas. This is the attorney general, Ken Paxton. It's his lawsuit. Uh, and I think that could be like uh, maybe that's a, that's the dam is breaking there. You know, there could be a whole hopefully a tsunami of lawsuits we should be seeing because it's fraudulent marketing that has gone on the the technology is 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 uh, has glitches is is you know is uh, doesn't work properly has major problems that the, the product is also adulterated um so this is just fraud with big capital letters yeah. 
It is, isn't it? And, you know, we, to remind the audience here that these products, um, based upon everything you said there, they were given to people who didn't need it. You know, the survival rate for COVID was 99.98. I think it was something like that. Um, and, you know, they were giving it to children who didn't need it. Um, Headley, very, very quickly, we've only got a minute left. Um, you're writing a book, aren't you? When does that come out, Headley? Um, in the new year, I have the manuscript done by the end, but before Christmas, and um, it then goes through the publishing process. It's called Transforming the Pharmaceutical Supply Chain. And I talk about 40 years of blockbusters, the decline of the industry. So that'll be out maybe, you know, first quarter of 2024. Fantastic. Well, listen, we have sadly run out of time, but listen, guys, I want to say thank you from me and everyone at TNT, because if we are going to get these people and hold them to account in the courts, it will be based, I'm sure, on some of the work that both of you have done. So thank you so much from me and everyone at TNT. Thank you. Right to the rest of you. Don't go anywhere because we've got more fantastic shows right here on TNT Radio.